mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bird to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Welcome again to the LM Experience, your podcast on all things mortgage related. I'm Stuart Gregory. I'm Martin Stewart. Right then, Martin, what are we going to talk about today? Well, what I thought I'd talk about today is everyone's favourite subject in, in the industry anyway, uh, second charge mortgages. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, it's, it's an interesting one, this one, because um, it's actually a very, very small part of the market. If you look at the, the residential mortgage market first charge, it's something like £250 billion. Pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second charge market is something like £1 billion. Pounds. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's chalk and cheese in terms of um, um, uh, business volumes. But the second charge market is very, very polarising in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the one thing that I think polarises people uh, more than anything are, are the costs, that the, the fees associated with a second charge mortgage. Because yeah. um, they can vary greatly and this is this is more prevalent now because of post post mcd um where they became uh, under the the canopy of the the fsa mm-hmm. whereas previously they were looked after i think by the oft so it's kind of dragged the product into into the spotlight a little bit now okay um, and i think mcd would be two years old sort of next march and just it'd be interesting because we, we're both set up we're both mortgage brokers but we both set our business up slightly differently mm-hmm. uh, it'd be interesting just to have a bit of a debate about what we think about the second charge market um when are we going to deploy the product and, and, and what do you think about about the, the charging structure of them yeah i mean i think it's it's one of the th- situations now i think where what has moved on within the market has been a case of that whenever for example a broker is looking at the different permutations of how a client can be helped it's now more part of the process as a part of a streamlined thing that if if they are considering the potential of remortgaging them to another lender if that isn't viable in a lot of cases or if the clients are actually on a specific mortgage deal that they don't want to lose let's say a historic interest only deal with a low base rate tracker low base rate yeah. tracker for life for example um that's the type of scenario now i think where a lot more brokers are now looking into secured loans overall as an extra option for clients and i think on that side of it it's then comes down to being a case of there will be a borrower perception of secured loans um, and I think in that respect, those are elements that then any broker has to then address in terms of explaining them correctly. Mm. Um, and in doing so as well, making making the borrower aware of really kind of where the, the kind of the, the beneficial deals are there out there in the market. Do you do many second charge? Well, two questions here, Stu. Do you yep. do many now? And how does that compare with um, before MCD? Is there a difference? Are you seeing more inquiries? Are you more aware of the product now? I think at the moment, as it stands, um, the majority of circumstances where we'd expect to see more inquiries that could lead to secured loans would be more situations like when they're trying to capital raise. And for whatever purpose, whether it's debt consolidation, whether it's for home improvements or other purposes. And we certainly, as of yet, haven't seen a huge increase in inquiries on that front. Um but what we are doing now that, for example, on a regulatory side, which is now more thought of, is in relation to the overall structure of it's not just a case anymore of how a broker would have done 10 years ago, which would have been constantly looking to see ways in which they can remortgage the, the client to get them the borrowing they needed. Mm-hmm. It's a case of now saying, right, OK, that is there as an option. What is the 
if it's considered what would be the best all-round deal and that's then where for example you've then got to weigh up obviously any associated charges that could apply well, well, let's get on to charges because that's the thing that i think is polarizing the industry right mm-hmm. now we are com- we are coming from an environment where it was it was allowable that uh, a broker or a packager could charge up to 15% of the loan mm-hmm. as a packaging fee so let's just put that into into figures someone wants to borrow 50,000 pounds on a second charge mortgage, mm-hmm. there could be costs of seven and a half thousand pounds to borrow that money. Yeah, and let's just put that in juxtaposition to a first charge fifty thousand pounds mortgage, mm-hmm. where the lender might charge you a four nine five arrangement fee or less or or, or, or nothing. Mm-hmm. Correct, absolutely. So, bearing in mind that the work can be very very similar mm-hmm. between a first charge and a second charge, why? Is the market charging so much more, or, or historically charging so much more than if it was a first charge mortgage? Is that a cultural thing? Is that something that is an overhang from the bad old days? Um, is is a more of a um, an issue within the industry that we have to change the culture and move away from? I, th- I think the thing is with it, to be honest, it, it makes me wonder whether a lot of it is an overhang from many moons ago in terms of that the, however, we look at the the cost of providing the finance. When you look back to the cost of offering the facility a lot of the time to potential borrowers, I think from a if I was a secured loan packager or a master broker, for example, they are still needing to trade whether the client or the borrower goes ahead or not. And I think that's the relationship between the level of fees that have accumulated over the years have been in a lot of scenarios, probably 10 years ago, those secured loan master brokers that were around then, for example, were charging high fees because they didn't know where the next lot of business was coming from. Hmm. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I've you know I've got a vested interest because we, we, we run a master broker on, on second charges, but mm. um, we know what it costs to package a second charge mm. and our costs for doing so are less than a hundred pounds mm-hmm. so there's an awful lot of smoke and mirrors around you know what what i worry sometimes whether we've just got into a habit of keeping fees high now well, you would you charge would you charge a client five thousand pounds no, for a fifty thousand pound no. remortgage no. Uh, on the assumption that it might not go through no because i think the thing is that you've got to be aware of the value of your work you are at the end of the day still running a business and you've got to pay your own personal bills at the end of the month but there is a there is a line yes and there's a line between covering your costs for the work that you do irrespectively of whether a client proceeds or can proceed because if you're a broker that chooses not to pay fee charge fees for example on a residential deal if for example you've done 3 months worth of work in a pipeline on that case and then suddenly something else happens somebody loses their job and they can't move you're not getting paid. But, that, uh, but, that, but that's always been the case. It has. But I think at the moment with things, it's a case of, like you said earlier, it's about balance. It's about not charging excessive fees. Because if somebody's being charged 7500 to borrow fifty, yeah, and let's say they're doing that purpose of loan for debt consolidation, that, above all else, it's not ethical. No. And that, this, this is the argument that's kind of I'm coming from here because I think the, I think what the industry needs to move towards, and this came out of a conversation actually with the regulator, um, that they see no difference between a first charge mortgage mm-hmm. and a second charge mortgage. As far as they're concerned, it's secured lending. Yeah. So if the regulator sees no difference, mm-hmm. why is the industry showing a huge amount of difference? Not only in terms of the cost of funds, mm-hmm. but also how that product can be charged back 
to the client. And and I'm just wondering whether we can move towards maybe um, a, a debate that we're trying to get in the industry at the moment is is a fee cap. Yeah. Do you think there should be a fee cap? Is that is that is that a fair is that a fair way to treat the broker as well as the the end user, the client? I think so. I mean, you've got the same comparison between the residential first charge market as you have with buy to let. Mm. I mean, you look at some of them and you've got some lenders that operate within buy to let and residential lending who suddenly go from about products available on a residential deal of zero cost to mm. suddenly on a buy to let, for example, they're doing the same amount of work on a case that they're charging £1,995 <laughs> for as they are for one that they're charging zero for. Their, their actual input onto the case is exactly the same. Yeah, And yes, it's about profit margins for them. I get that. But it's a case of that, for example, I I have always have a problem with saying, well, kind of why why are buy to let suddenly being charged an extra thousand pounds more for an equivalent deal that somebody would get on a residential deal if it was available? I think the argument would be there's a degree of risk from the lender, but I also think there's a degree of commerciality coming in into that, mm. which I understand to a degree. Um, but on a fifty thousand pound mortgage, what would you charge? What's, what's your your standard fee? Yeah, our standard fee would be four nine five. Well, that, that's similar similar to what we would charge. Mm. But what would you charge a client on a second charge? For a fifty thousand, you know, if it's a fifty thousand pound second charge mortgage, would you? Is it there is there is more work involved in a, a second charge and a little bit more complex? So, is there a premium to be added there? I mean, what what, what is the ceiling? No, I mean, my, my personal view on it, to be honest, our pricing structure would be the same in terms of that if we've done a let's say a remortgage review for a client and we've charged them four nine five, then it would be a situation of that if we couldn't arrange, for example, first charge standard residential remortgage first of all we would proceed with side-by-side -side research on this on the secured loan option mm. we wouldn't charge them anything more for doing that yeah well, it that's would, fair it, that's the way i think the industry needs to, to move towards that's the thing because otherwise you get into the realm of for example you're going to have a situation where you won't get client retention because the clients will think well if it does go wrong then they're going to charge me even more money and i can't i don't want to be racking up additional charges all the time and if you've been, as we always have to be, completely transparent about charging at the beginning, it's a case of that it's got to be something that, for example, the clients are going to be comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, it, it, let's let's not talk down the product because it's easy to focus oh, on yeah. charges. Yeah. But it is a very, I mean, it has helped an awful lot of clients. Um, uh, we've, we've, you know, we've saved people's houses from the tax man because of, because of second charges. Mm -hmm. um, you can deploy them very, very effectively into the marketplace yeah um and i agree with you i think you've just got to get the the the, the charging structure um uh, fair to make sure it's commercially viable for you to stay in business mm -hmm. but it's not gonna damage the client long term whereby they get to to, to pay the, maybe the second charge off in two or three years time and they look at their redemption statement and they owe more than they borrowed in the first place because of all the fees that were tagged on add, the added on and that's the thing i think we need to kind of clear up but just to evolve that conversation just a little bit um, Stu, we, we, we regulate it slightly differently. Um, mm -hmm. You're an appointed representative yeah. um, of, of a network, and, and I'm kind of directly authorised, um, and that won't mean a huge amount to uh, to a client. But um, you, you you need to you, you have a panel of second charge. Yeah, basically, that... basically we, we would get provided with um, master broker options. So basically, a company who is a specialist within the in the secured loan market arena, who would then, for example, investigate the most suitable option for that client on our behalf. 
Um, certainly from dependent as well, it can be really useful as in relation to the size of your business. So, for example, if you're a smaller brokerage that hasn't got a hu- uh, quite a few advisors, for example, um, if you did, you could delegate one of the advisors to concentrate on that particular area and then possibly then do a lot of direct inquiries yourself. But it's a good solution to provide the right level of service to your client if you're in that arena. And I think from a certainly from a network point of view, I would think that their viewpoint is that from a, a, a regulatory standpoint, they know the level of quality that's being put into that inquiry. Yeah, it's been handed across. Well, just the reason why I kind of just brought that up, I just saw it as, as we came in here. There was a, a poll on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, and uh, looked quite an, quite an interesting one. But are you allowed to move off panel, um, or do you have to do you have to use that mortgage that that more that master broker that that packager, or can you can you get permission to go to another third party or direct to the lender if that option was available to you. It's um, an interesting debate, I think, for the industry to help yeah, I mean, open I, I, it up. I think, to be honest, that what most networks tend to do is that they don't just have one master broker. There's several. There's several, right. So as a result of that, for example, there are various stages that are in the... There should be no need, in their viewpoint, having vetted all of these companies, that there's a, there should then no longer be a need for anybody to go off panel in that respect. But I think most networks would be in the position of where, in the event that all options have been exhausted, I think they would at least take up the inquiry from the broker itself to say, right, okay, is it viable or is it achievable to still go ahead with that mm. um, on that side of it? Because I, th- I think overall with it, there's a fr- I always find it's a very sort of a very difficult line to tread for, um, I think overall, if you, you've got to be very careful, any brokerage has got to be careful in terms of the, the the detail that their research goes into that is sufficient mm. and i think from a perspective of regulatory oversight i think that's why networks um offer that particular element to their services i think yeah uh, but just interestingly enough i just uh, on the way in i had a second charge inquiry and just got me thinking that how, how we're a lot busier now and second charges than ever before and a lot of it is is bound down, down to a client's personal credit profiling that's where a lot of second charges um uh, get created from mm-hmm. um what about have you seen something similar yourself Stu? and what, what you know what do you think of the credit profiling of clients nowadays where it might fit a first charge mortgage uh, might fit a second charge lender but not a first charge lender is it something that the consumer should do that be aware of that can yeah, help them i mean we always encourage the very first inquiry i mean sometimes for example the the level of detail we go into i do feel sometimes scares people off <laughs> Because nine times out of ten, <laughs> blood tests. DNA. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is with it sometimes is that you get some inquiries from particular potential clients, and you talk to them about the process and everything, and they say, "Well, that's really detailed," and I didn't mm. realise you'd have to do that. And it's like, well, they sound surprised, and that makes me wonder about some of the conversations they're having with other brokers. What are they telling them that's different? Or, for example, what are they saying to them that makes them think that it's simple? And in, in relation to that, well, I think as brokers, we've got a responsibility to. Um, to, to really make borrowers aware of the process. If it has changed a lot since they last did it, why it's changed. Also give them an idea of that this, by using a broker, you're cutting down on the time that you have to spend on this rather than going directly yourself. But one of the first things we always ask them to do is also to register with a credit agency, um, normally to run a free credit file on themselves. There's quite um, a few of those out, out there, and, and they are invaluable, not only to the client, but to the broker in particular. 
it gives them a, gives them a handle on, on on how they could be viewed by a lender, and I think that's crucial. I think actually what would be quite good is maybe the next one we do, Stu, next podcast we do, we'll focus on maybe first time buyers mm-hmm. and and the things that they need to be aware of. You know, don't go and view a property, put an offer in, and then ring us on the Monday saying. How much, you know, can I borrow that money? How much will it cost me? Yeah. They need to be having this conversation early on. I think it's an interesting point that maybe we should focus on that in specifically in a separate podcast. I think that would be quite a useful one for people just to pick up on and learn what they should be doing three months before they even think about viewing a property. Yeah, indeed. I think it would be very useful. Right. Well, let's put the, uh, the third episode in the can, as us DJs say. Um, Stu, as ever, it's been a pleasure. Excellent. Uh, you too, Martin. So we always welcome your feedback as well. So please get in contact with us via Twitter. My handle is at mortgage underscore Stu. Uh, and mine is at London Money FS. And we look forward to hearing from you in due course. Thank okay. you very much. Speak to you soon. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. And remember, there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party, and your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it. Mortgage.